Welcome to New Hope and the teaching ministry of Pastor Randy Rainwater. Culture went and called it one thing. He says it's another thing. We'll know in time. I haven't heard anybody talking about the fact that there were five women working in a massage parlor in Atlanta. I haven't heard anybody talking about that. Outrage and observation just days after the horrific shooting of eight people in greater Atlanta this past week. Pastor Randy addresses the cowardly act of violence from the pulpit and continues the B-series in the New Testament book of Galatians. A mirror does an amazing job of reflecting light. That's what he calls us to be. Not about us, but about him. Here's Pastor Randy. And good morning and welcome to New Hope. Thank you, sweetheart. Open up your Bibles, if you would, church, to Paul's letter to the church at Galatia. I've been reading this book called How Christianity Saved Civilization and Must Again. It opens with the story of Polycarp, who was killed in Smyrna, not Georgia. This place that he was, he was brought into this Colosseum and the ruler came and said, um, just call them atheists because that's what they called Christians because they said they denied the emperor was, was, was um, God. Just, just call the other Christians atheists and you can live. And he said, just deny Jesus. And this is what Polycarp said all, all my life. He has done me well. How can I deny him now? That's the place that this is happening here. We've been going through this series, B. It's about the identity that we have in Jesus. It comes out of Matthew 28, 19 to 20. He says, as you're going, go ye therefore in your King James, as you're going in the process of life, make disciples. That would be the center point of who we are, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. That, that baptism is that point of belief. We're doing baptisms on Easter morning. It's that identifying mark of, of who we are as believers. It's our wedding ring. You can go buy a ring today and put it on. It doesn't make you married. It's, it's, a, it's an identifier, though. It's how you express that identity. Teaching them all that I've commanded you. That's, that's the grow part. We, we believe that as we get the word of God into our life and the spirit of God working inside our life, we're transformed. We don't do conversions here at Grace and New Hope. We do transformation. Conversion is something when you take something from the outside and twist it all around and make it fit, even though it really wasn't built for that. No, that's not what the Bible says, that if you're in Christ, you're a new creation, that, that he comes inside and works from the inside out. It's not something coerced from the outside in. He changes us. He transforms us by the power of his spirit and his word. And then he says this parenthetical comment of command inside of the middle of a, of a command. Jesus has already said in Matthew 28, he says that all authority has been given to me. And then he says, and behold, take notice. I was in the presence three weeks ago of a four-star general 
who was in command of all European NATO forces, when he got up to talk, no one was like looking at each other and talking to each other. You do not speak when a four-star general gets up and talks. But then when they say, now pay attention, you're paying attention inside of the paying attention. Jesus says this, and we miss it. We blow right through it. And know this, behold, and lo, listen, I'm with you. The presence of God is with us. But somehow we turn this faith that comes through the gospel into some sort of Buddhism where we just try to make ourselves better. And this is what Paul's been saying for three chapters. And I know I've been preaching the same sermon for several weeks now, and, and you're not the only ones thinking it. My wife, she's like, honey, have you not been studying? Because you've been preaching the same sermon every Sunday. It's like, sweetie, this is what Paul, this is Paul. I don't write it. I just preach it. For three chapters, Paul's basically saying the same thing. And then he gets into chapter four, and it changes a little bit. Because now, as we understand who he is, he's going to start talking about the difference that that's going to make. Last week, we talked about that in Christ, there's no Jew nor Greek. No, there, there's no slave nor free, no male or female. And Paul's not changing up your biology there. He's, he's not changing your social status. He's not changing your legal status. Rome was doing that. Your biology was doing that. Your ethnicity had already made that determination. No, this is what he's saying. With him, with him, you're all kids. Get the kid part right. Because you got to get, you got to understand that in Christ, it's going to be different than the way it is in the world. He's been making this polemic argument, this, this battle. We, we're good at arguing, aren't we? We can argue about masks. We can argue, we can argue about all kinds of stuff. How many of y'all had an argument? Don't raise, no, don't answer that. This morning on the way to church, man, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you, the enemy works hard at the Rainwater House on Sunday morning. I'm not saying we argue. I'm just saying the enemy, I'm not saying whether we lose or win here. I'm just I, don't, I don't know. I just think it's something about Sunday morning. I just think the enemy's like, okay, all right, let's see. Blood on the doorpost. Okay, we're going to try to go after them. That's, we are so good at arguing. Here's a real important thing. If you're in an argument or a war, and we are in a war. We are in a war. It's a real war. It's real important to know who you're fighting against. It's really important to know why you're fighting. And it's real important to know what a win is. I will not be drawn into arguments that those three things are not present. I'm not going to be drawn into. I'm just not. I'm just not. So people poke me or whatever on Facebook. I am not getting into something that, where there is no win. That somebody else is going to have to fight that fight. On the other hand, show me a battle where we understand what it is we're fighting against, what we're fighting for, and what a win is, and we'll go to war, and we're going to go to war today right here. I'm going to talk to you about it in just a second. 
This is what, this is what he says. This is a theological state of war. Maybe some of you guys are in a state of war right now. You've got a battle going on. We're going to talk about how we get into that and how we win. We have got to make sure that we do not find ourselves in conflicts without wins, without purpose, without clear objectives. And Paul's got one. And today, that objective is an incredibly simple thing. He wants these people to understand whose they are. That they are heirs, not slaves. That their status has been changed. It's in that conflict God calls us as his church to be engaged in this world. Would you stand with me as we read from Galatians chapter four? We're gonna read the first seven verses. I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave, though he is the owner of everything. But he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles, big phrase here, of this world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption. That's the big, big word of the day. As sons, you could also add his daughters here in this phraseology. And if, if, if this phrase bothers you right now, trust me, in, in about three weeks, we're gonna talk about Paul saying he's in the pains of childbirth. It's all gonna balance out in terms of men and women. And because your sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts crying, Abba, not the Norwegian band, all right? Okay, it's an Aramaic word. Father, you are no longer a slave. All right, we're gonna be real Pentecostal here. Turn to your neighbor and look at him and say, you're no longer a slave. But a son, if it's a woman, say woman, say daughter, okay, all right? And if a son, then an heir through God. May God bless the reading of his word. You can be seated. This is the enslavement of immature understanding. I mean that the heir, verse one, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave, though he's the owner of everything. When you're acting in a state of immaturity, there's no you can't claim your inheritance. This is what he's saying when, and we talked about this last week, a child would have a guardian that would walk with them. Now we, we have to protect those that are immature. We have to, we have to do that. What, in our homes, what do we do? We, we put outlet covers, we put plastic things in the outlets because children like to stick knives into electric outlets. We have to cap off our tide pods, don't we? We have to lock those things up and put it. You have to, you have to, you have to put locks on cough medicine that kids will not take normally unless you coerce them. But for some reason, when you're not there, they want to put this stuff in their mouth. You have to protect immature behavior. This is what he's saying. You've got to protect this immature behavior. What at the essence here, this, this phrase here that as long even though they're an heir, as long as he is a child, the Greek word there is nepios. It, it, it means they don't know what they want, but they're gonna throw a fit till they get it. You, 
You can go to work tomorrow and in a meeting, you can go, you're acting very nepiotic today. I just made that word up. It's not real. It's, it's off of that Greek word nepios. Now, it, this is not nepotism. That's a different word. Ne- nepios means I'm a little kid and I'm going to throw a fit till I get what I want. W- watch this video because this says it better than anything I can say. If this is bringing trauma to some of your lives, I'm sorry. But watch this. Here it is. Calming down. There you are. Oh, I'm going to throw another fit. Okay, walking away, calming down. Calming down. Okay, we're all right. We're all right. We're okay. Oh, there you are. Okay. Does this remind any of you of anybody in your house? Do not point at your wives right now. You can do this thing right here. I, I, heard, I heard Jeff Allen is a comedian. He said, he said God made children so, so adults would know what someone made in their own image would deny their own existence. Verse two, but they're under guardians and managers until the date set by the father. You're under old management. In the same way, we also, when we were children, look at this, were enslaved. Strong words. To say enslaved to Jewish people would be to like say it in this place here today. Strong words. We ain't going back there. Amen, church? Yeah, we ain't going back there. We're not, we're not living in that. That was wrong. That was sin. That was evil. That was, that was wrong. Clearly. But Paul's saying this because he wants to get their attention because they're still being enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. They're under new management now. They're, they're in this age of accountability. If we had time, I could show this to you basically at the age, up until the age of 13 for boys, 12 for girls. Girls mature about a year earlier than boys do. Amen. Yeah. Um, I'm not making family commentary here. At, at that age, but for that age, you were responsible for your kids. If your kid did something, it was your responsibility. But at that age, there's this age of accountability. And what he's saying here is, now you're in this other place. You were enslaved before to the, to the elementary principles, the Greek word stoikion, it means the arrangement, the order, essentially it's the ABCs. You're enslaved to the way things are but now you're operating in a whole different way. Before you are in this discontentment and this unhappiness, you don't really know what it is, but you're going to throw a fit till you get it. We, listen, I watch culture and I think we have a lot of people today that are discontent. And listen, discontentment's not a bad thing. You just have to know what it is you're discontent with. Because if you don't know, you'll be like quicksand. You know, you, if you've you've seen the old movies with quicksand. I have good news for you today. You cannot die in quicksand. You really can. Now I know in the movies, like you go all the way down, but that doesn't work because quicksand has moisture in it. And, and basically you can only go down to about your waist. 
there's more buoyancy from the waist up because your legs tend to be heavier muscle mass and, and go down. But, but when you get to about the waist, but you know what you can't do? You can't pull yourself out of quicksand. The amount of energy it takes to take your legs out of quicksand is the same amount of energy it would take to lift a car. Now, from kids' life, we know this because Wednesday we talked about this. Ants can lift their weight, the weight of a car in terms of their body weight. But none of you guys are ant men or anything like that. So, so you can't pull yourself. Something else has to pull you out of that. We can try by our own efforts. It's not gonna work. How, how are we gonna do this? We, we have to have a different system. Verse four, the freedom of adoption. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law. I love it when the kids cry, when I'm like saying something like that. Perfect timing. Just let it, come on, it's good. Don't make them cry or anything. But, but. Born of woman. First of all, I just wanna say this. That's Genesis 3.15. Go find me an ancient Near East text that talks about women being the key element of the future hope of, of whatever de deity there is. The Bible says that, Genesis 3.15. This is what the Lord says to the enemy, the seed of the woman. It's in the seed of the woman. Jesus didn't have any Joseph DNA. It was all Mary DNA. It's the seed of the woman. And, and he... This, you're going you're gonna to strike his heel, but he's going to get your head. You're going to come after him, but what he's going to do is going to be a whole lot more powerful to you. you. You're not dying here. This is, this is a death blow. That's the difference between these things. And, and the word there for son is different than nepios is the child, but we have a different word here for son. Yeah, it, it's still relationally a child of, but it's a whole different thing. This is not, the word here is not technon. Technon means you're still, un, you're a child under the power. No, this is a different, this is a mature child. This isn't about their status. This is about how they live their lives because the, the, the way us means this, it essentially is one who is a reflector of the father or the mother. That's a mature child. They reflect the father or mother. Flip over to 1 Corinthians 13. Just a couple books back. 1 Corinthians 13 is called what? Love chapter. It, it, I'm not sure that it shouldn't actually be called the maturity chapter. If I speak in tongues of men, of angels, but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or clanging cymbal. Noisy gongs and clanging cymbals draw attention to themselves, not to someone else. I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but I have not love. I'm nothing. If I give away all I have, look, look, at, look at the nature of the pronouns in this. They're all about me. If I give away all I have, if I deliver my body to be burned but have not love, I gain nothing. But now it talks about love. Love isn't just about me. Love is a quality that we have. It's, it's who we are. It's patient. It's kind. It doesn't envy or boast. It's not arrogant. It's not rude. 
You, you can, if you're sitting with your husband or wife, you can hug on them and say, this reminds me of you. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful, even on Sunday morning. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things. It believes all things. It hopes all things. It endures all things. It never ends. Death can't kill it. As for prophecies, they'll pass away. As for tongues, they'll cease. As for knowledge, it'll pass away. We know in part, we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, we're going back to that first person thing. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I spoke like a nepios. It was all about me. I reasoned like a child, but when I became a man, when I became one that reflected the dignity and the value of my father and mother, I put away childish things. Look at this. For now, we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Right now, we're seeing in a mirror dimly. Let me tell you something about a mirror that does an incredible, a mirror does, if you got like retinal issues, protect your eyes here. Because a mirror does an amazing job of reflecting light. That's what a mirror does. Hey, Brandon. A mirror does an amazing job of reflecting light. That's what he calls us to be. Not about us, but about him. So how do we get to that place? How, how do we get to, to being in that situation? Verse five tells us to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive, not work for, not grasp, not check off the boxes, that we might receive adoption. Adoption, the, the word, the Greek word for adoption is a combination of that word for mature person, but it's imparted to. You're given that place of reflecting the father and the mother. You, you, you're already put into that place. Spiritually, you're not adopted as a baby. You're adopted as one who is already into that place. Do you see that? Do you, do you, do you believe that in your own life? That, that we are put into that place, into that, into that place of having the dignity and value of being a child of God. That's who you are in Christ. It don't matter what anybody says about you. It doesn't matter if you're slave or free in this culture here that he's talking to. They don't get, Rome doesn't get to determine your value. Culture doesn't get to determine your value. God does. He calls us to be the ones that reflect him. And one of the things that we would do when we reflect him is we would bring his light. Jesus says, you're the light of the world. How are we the light of the world? We're mirrors. We're mirrors. We reflect him. We step into things that other people aren't stepping into. 
This week in Atlanta, we had a shooting. Five Asian women, two white men, one Hispanic man were shot by a coward who, if his words are true, I, I don't know the motivations of this man. It, it, it will come out in time. Culture went and called it one thing. He says it's another thing. We'll know in time. This much, I've not heard anybody talking about. I haven't heard anybody talking about the fact that there were five women working in a massage parlor in Atlanta. I haven't heard anybody talking about that. Just, I know there's some like chiropractors and there's legitimate massage. That's not what this is. Those places aren't by the airports in every city, in every place, in every country I've ever been to. And you say it's consensual. Well, I've talked to these women. No, it's not. That's a lie. It's coercion. If you're a parent, I want you to picture your daughter in your mind right now, however old they are. Is that what you want for them? I haven't heard anybody talking about this. That this happens in our city. And this is what they tell us. Our city's the worst in the country. We were in Cambodia and we were, we'd been going to all the places that as, as this church and as Lydia Project supports and we were going through and, and we had been visiting all these places, hanging out with the university kids, going to the Sunshine House, meeting the widows. It was all amazing. And Rob Corley goes, I got a surprise for you. The last day we were there, we, we pulled up to these, this area of town in a certain town in that city. I'm not going to say where. And we pulled up to this area. It was a rough place. He goes, look at the wall. And up at the top, it said, Grace New Hope Church. A pastor that I had met at School of Discipleship at his graduation had named his church after us. This church specifically deals with women out of that industry. And they've either gotten pregnant or in many cases developed HIV. And they can't work in that industry anymore and this pastor ministers to these women. And I preached in that church and what was totally unfair to me was they didn't tell me that, that Lauren and Leslie and our kids team would be next door doing kids ministry and the whole time I'm preaching these children are singing. 
And they're singing songs of hope. So this is what we're going to do. I, I don't know what motivated that man. It looks like he was trying to eliminate what he objectified as the objects of his lust. That's not how you defeat the enemy. That's conversion. That's not transformation. That's a lie that comes from hell. We, we, we don't, we don't do that, but we are going to do three things. We're going to take the 15% that we give to missions and for this week, and we're going to give a third of it. I, I originally had said two things and then the Lord put something else on my heart last night, so I made a phone call. I'm a lousy fundraiser, but I did make a phone call this morning, and we added a third one. So we're gonna, we're gonna give 5% of everything today to International Women of Hope, Miss Rose's ministry. They did their telethon here last night. We're gonna give 5% to Grace New Hope Church in Cambodia, and we're gonna give 5%. I got a text yesterday from Rob Corley the Jesus school is in the process of getting accredited. So these little girls and these little boys that grow up in the dump are gonna be able to go on to public high school and go on to university and get their degrees and not wind up in these places. Amen. Verse six, and because you're sons, God has spent, sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Because you're sons. He gives us the spirit of God so that we would see him as father. I am convinced of this. This is the most overwhelming, broken element of our culture today is our daddy issues. We, even that phrase is hard to hear. But this daddy, Abba, father, if you had a bad one, was not like him. This is daddy. This is that word, that word Abba, it's an Aramaic word. It means daddy and it's father. The God of the universe is daddy. He's the one who picks you up when you fell down and your knee was all skin up and he took it and, and cleaned it up and mom had to come and do it the right way, but dad tried. He's the one who said you could do it. Not the one who said you didn't do it well enough, but you can do it. That's who he is. I'm convinced we've all got daddy issues. I got daddy issues. Mine died. I, um, I was, um, you know, my dad was my hero till I was about 13. And then all of a sudden he just got really uncool. 
we'd be driving. I remember the first time we were driving through McDonald's and he goes, your friends are there. And I, and I said, okay. He goes, why are you like all curled down in the back seat of the car? And I go, oh, my back's hurting. I, I was hiding. I didn't want my friends to see me with my dad. I have no idea why I thought that way. And then I went to college and dad got really dumb. It was amazing. I mean, I just in the course of just like a couple weeks, my dad didn't get, got really dumb up and, you know, I thought he was fairly smart, even when I didn't think he was very cool. And, and then I got to about 24 and all of a sudden dad got cool again. And I had a kid and he got really smart again. (laughs) And then I was 32 and he was gone. Verse seven, because you need the Holy Spirit to remind you of the fact that you have a father who loves you. He he gives you that spirit from inside. You, You get the spirit of the son. You get, look at this. Look at this, going back that one verse of verse six, you begin to get to see God the way Jesus sees God. That's the transformation. You begin to see him in the way that he truly is. Worship team, make your way up here. And you're no longer a slave, but you're a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. And we start living like a mature person who reflects the dignity and values of their father and mother, not a child who's throwing a fit because they don't get what they want. And that takes time, but it takes more understanding. Our problem in the church today is not our lack of Christian education. Our problem in the church today is our lack of understanding the place that we're in in our relationship with our father. And when you understand, when you grasp how much he loves you and what he did for you, when you get that understanding, it changes everything because you're no longer a slave. You're a child of God, an heir through God. And that behavior will follow belief. Whatever your elementary status is, you belong to a higher status. And that's the one that he gives for you. Think about the Ten Commandments. What's the first one? Somebody tell me, what's the first one? I'm the, what is it, Brian? Okay, that's, that's, the, that's the greatest commandment. Think about the Ten Commandments. What's the first commandment? Yeah, no other God before you. If you get that one right, the other nine come real easy. But it's not a threat. It's a promise. Because when you understand that you're his child, you're with him. It changes everything about everything. Until we get daddy right, we ain't getting brother and sister right, church. Till we get daddy right, 
We're going to be against each other because it's going to be, we're going to be that little baby that's throwing a fit because it isn't getting what it wants. And when we get daddy right, when we understand that our role is to reflect who he is and what he wants, it changes everything. Romans 8, 13, I'm going to close with this. For you live, stand with me as I close with this. I'm, we're, are we going to put this, do we have this to put on the screen? Do we have Romans 8, 13 to put on the screen? Yeah, we do. For if you live according to the flesh, you'll die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you live. Not through your works, by the spirit. The spirit that's inside of you telling you whose you are. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. You can put daughters in there. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. But you have received the spirit of what, Brandon? Of adoption. As sons by whom we cry. Paul likes this phrase because it's a big phrase and we need to know it too. Abba, Father. Daddy, King of the universe, Daddy. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. It is not by our works that we were purchased. It's what Jesus did. Nothing that you can ever do can make you more valuable, make you more lovable. You're His kid, and He loves you. And yeah, we want to reflect him. But we're not, we're not trying to earn the status of mirror. That's what he makes us. And we reflect him. Lord Jesus, even this morning, as we would receive these elements, as we would sing, even this morning, as we remember what you did for us, we would pray in the name of Jesus across this room, Lord. I first of all pray this. If there are bad memories of dad... God, I pray for healing, a peace that even goes past understanding to redeem that. And if it can't be redeemed, Lord, put another vision there of who you truly are in that place. Lord, we pray for the people of Atlanta that have been harmed this week by violence, by, by legalism, that thought in a demented and cowardly way that violence somehow can, can take away that which is broken. The violence that has taken away that which is broken was done on the cross 2,000 years ago. It's nothing that we do now. God, bring healing. Lord, I pray across this room this morning that we would see ourselves the way you see us. And we can't do that in our efforts, Lord. Your word says that this is what your spirit does. Your spirit helps us see the Father the way Jesus does. Lord, let us this week see you the way that Jesus does. Love, trust, respect, hope, peace, patience, 
In Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you'll join us this Friday for our outdoor, family-friendly Good Friday service, April 2nd at 7 p.m. Thanks for listening. I'm Myrna Brown.